0: And it snowed harder and harder. And I remember my dad always saying, if you get in a blizzard, follow a truck, follow the red taillights. I said, dad, what happens when the taillights disappear? He said, it's probably time to stop. (laughs) So we're driving along and I'm following a truck and all of a sudden it, it got, it was such a heavy downpour of just snow. It was a total whiteout. And if you've ever been in a total whiteout, it's pretty amazing. And I I knew there was a guardrail to my right, because we had driven this many times, so I put my flashers on, and I'm asking my little brother, roll down the window and tell me when you can see the guardrail, because I didn't want to stop, because I knew there was other things moving. So my little brother's going, I can see it, I can't see it, I can see it, I can't see it. And this went on for maybe a mile or so, and then all of a sudden, it's crystal clear, you can see the stars. We're out of the storm. You can see everything. And I thought, well, that's interesting, Father. Why would you give me that imagery right now? And he really shared this in my heart that many of you feel as if you're in that blizzard where you really can't see any of the peripheral stuff. You're so focused on just trying to put one foot in front of the other to get there, wherever there is, you can't see anything else. And all of a sudden, you're going to come out of that moment, and you're going to see things with incredible clarity. Amen. That's a word for you. But what I thought was interesting is the Holy Spirit told me the reason why you don't see all the other stuff, blinded by the snow, is because those things will be distractions. Those things can be things that can hinder you. Those are the things that could harm you. So I have omitted them from your vision to keep you safe as you put one foot in front of the other. I think that's a great word from the Lord for many people. So, you know, I'm, I'm in this moment where I just feel this great sense of humility in the sense that I want to really humbly follow God in this moment. I do not want to deviate too far to the left or to the right. You guys that know me, you know my heart. I love to walk in balance to the best of my ability. And, and in, we can either be a word church or you can be a spirit church, and both of them get far out in the extremes. I want us to be a mixture of spirit and truth. And that is my heart. Amen? And I know from experience that either way, if you get too far out there, we'll lead you into a wilderness. And I don't want that to happen to us. I want us to walk in incredible balance. I feel like we're in this moment where we are like merging on, on a, like an on-ramp on a freeway. And you're merging on and you're merging into traffic that's going somewhere. And I feel like we're in this moment where we're going somewhere where the Spirit is taking us. But I feel like we're still on this on-ramp. We can see the traffic and stuff moving to our left as we're coming on the on-ramp, but we're just starting to engage and to move into the traffic and the flow of what God is doing. Does that make sense? One of the longest on-ramps, I had to look this up when it hit me, is there's one in Texas that's something like 2.5 miles long. And I'm saying, Jesus, don't let it take that long to get into the flow of traffic. And he just said, you just keep your eyes on the road, keep going, and we're going to merge in with what God is doing in a powerful way. Amen? You know, for years... You know, I, I, my wife and I came to Jesus at the tail end of the Jesus movement, and there was always this thought because we saw the Jesus movement kind of wane away. And there was this thought that revival is coming again. There's going to be another great awakening. It's right around the corner. We heard all this talk. It's kind of like being in a family and saying that, that we're going to have a baby, we're going to have a baby, and you're thinking, when do I get to hold that baby? I keep hearing about it. I see mom and dad painting and fixing up a room, but when are we going to really see the baby? And for years I heard this just, when are we going to see revival? That was the big question. And I think if, if you have eyes to hear, eyes to hear, eyes to see and ears to hear, <laughs> you're going to see that God has already answered that question. Yeah. Yeah. He has answered that question because He's the one that lit the fire. Amen. And one of the things that we've watched and we've seen unfold before us is that Asbury, we have seen the Holy Spirit without warning. He's ignited a young and tender group of people. He's ignited their hearts on fire. And they've got this unbridled passion and they're up there repenting and worshiping and praising and doing all these incredible things. And the, and the beauty of it is it's not led by any one person. It's not. It's led by the many. I think that's powerful, powerful. But here's the question. Is that the moment that revival started in this land? Now, Mario Murillo, he has this timeline, and I think it's it's powerful to hear this timeline. So if you can hear me this morning, I'm not sure why I'm fading in and out. I don't know if that's me or what that is, but... um, Martin Murillo paints this incredible timeline. He's, he is a prophet. I believe he's very prophetic in what he shares and speaks and, and, and calls forth. And I'll tell you, here's what he says. He said that this moment did not begin at Asbury. It didn't. Here's his take on it. I think this is very interesting when you get your head around it. And excuse me for a moment if I go into the sports world. But he said it began in a far more unlikely setting, with a far more explosive implication. He said that spark that started all of this that we're seeing before us right now, he believes started at an NFL game. Yeah, I agree. And here's, here's his point. He said the date is January 2nd, 2023. And he says the place we know was a football field. And it was during a game between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Buffalo Bills that there was this young 24-year-old player named DeMar Hamlin. And he makes this tackle... And all of a sudden, this tackle, which really didn't seem as violent as some of them are, he goes into cardiac arrest. He believes that's the genesis of this movement we're seeing today. And he went on to just share how there was players and coaches, how they hugged and they wept and they prayed as the ambulance took DeMar's seemingly lifeless body away. And then all of a sudden, instantly, in a second, all of the wokeness was gone. And, and, and all of a sudden, prayer was incredibly legal in the NFL and on national television. And he went on to share, he went on to share that the, the word prayer would be used more in the next three hours than it was used in all the previous three years. That, that, my friend, is an interesting observation. Don't be fooled, guys. Don't be fooled. God is going to get America's attention and he's doing it. And he's going to turn hearts to himself. That's what he's doing. He's saying, you still need me. Will You still need me. No matter how godless we have become as a nation, as a country, as a world, we still need him. So in one tackle, Mario's point was in one tackle, God sent millions to pray, people who never prayed. It took a game. God took that game. With just moments before that epic tackle that we saw and heard about and read about and everything, the game itself was all about what it was all about. we got to win at all costs. It's all about the game. And all of a sudden, the game became unimportant as they carried his lifeless body away in that ambulance. And the Holy Spirit took hold of grown men, these giant NFL football players, And they wept like babies. Up in the Dallas, I had the privilege of knowing uh, Willie and Stan and Pete Brock. They all played in the NFL. These guys were monsters in a whole nother... You can't fathom how big they were. They were huge. They would hold a can in their hand and you wouldn't even see it. It was like, these guys are giant. You know, they would take quads and go elk hunting. I think they carried the quads and the elk together. I don't know. These, (laughs) These guys were huge. And to see these guys break down and weep like little babies, only God can do that. It's coming, folks. And those tears that are starting to fall are going to become rivers. I'm I, With great expectation, I'm looking forward to that moment because I see evidence of it happening here and now. The next thing on the timeline we see after the football game is we see the Holy Spirit paying a visit to Asbury University. We've all most all of us have seen and and have watched the videos and read and heard about on the news, how these young minds and tender hearts uh, are focused on God. I mean, like with laser focus and with unfettered devotion, hour after hour, they're praising and repenting and they're embracing the glory of God. Then we're hearing of outbreaks at other colleges and universities around the country and then we're hearing about other countries from Asia to Africa and around the world. Everyone in my pastoral circle is sending me all these articles of huge p- groups of Uganda, everywhere coming to Jesus. God is on the move. Thank you, Jay. Hey, stand up and show your shirt. Show your shirt. And he's on the move for you. God's not going to, you know. I've read the end of the book, there's this thought that God is mad at everybody, he's going to light a torch, he's going to burn it all down, he's going to walk away. That's not true. God is more powerful than that. He's not going to walk out at the end and the the door hit him on the fanny on the way out. That's not our God. It's not. We win. I've read the end of the book. God's glory prevails. His presence prevails. He prevails. But here's the point. He uses us to accomplish that purpose. And still, there's more to come. Talk about a timeline. We have a movie now, right? The Jesus Revolution. Man, it, it opened big. It's made more money than they dreamed it would. I mean, that's just how that works. It's epic. And I'm sure when they started filming this, there were some investors that said, Fine investing in that. That'd be a waste of time. I bet they're now going, oh, I wish it would have. Yeah, yeah funny how that works. What's interesting to me is all of the social media stuff that's being stirred about the movie and all the stuff that's coming forth, the story behind the story, the behind the story, other stories, Lonnie Frisbee. That guy was amazing. And it's really not highlighted, I don't think, in the movie as well as I remember it. Guy had an anointing, man. He had a powerful anointing. He came to Grant's Pass at the barn, I believe. Yeah. And he ministered and and I think, was it Clyde that you shared the story about, was it you that shared the story about someone, mom thought Thelani had killed their son? Was that you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Stand up just share that really quick. That's a powerful story. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was uh, Barbara Shaw. Barbara Shaw.
1: son, Sean, went out in the spirit. He was out for a long time and there was a fly walking around his forehead on his face and he didn't budge. And she thought, oh my gosh, I killed you to myself. She thought that and he said, don't worry, your son's not dead. He's Jesus. And he had a wild experience with Jesus in heaven. Wow. Anyway,
0: that's What a powerful story. I love that story. When the presence of God shows up, everything changes, right? Well, I have on my notes here, this current movement of God on the world's heart is clear. Two things that we're seeing that are really out front flashing at us. And one is God is sending a refining fire. Now hear me. He is sending a refining fire because he wants to purify and cleanse his church. We're seeing repentance on a whole wide just wide scale it's it's it 's like we 've never seen before we 're seeing repentance, people coming and repenting that 's what happened at Asbury that really kicked it off as a young man got up there and he just said, "I want to confess my heart and he did and and it just seemed to be the catalyst that just set everything in motion repentance we see leaders coming to grips with secret sin we see Leaders coming to grips with the fact that for years they've been soft peddling the gospel. They've been preaching a hybrid gospel just to keep people in the church. They've been saying things that just tickle people's ears so they stay. I don't want to ever see that happen here. We will speak the truth, and hopefully we do it with incredible love. Amen? The other thing we're seeing is the, is, is the long-forsaken reverence and fear of the Lord. It's making a full and rightful return. Yes, a fear, an honorable, righteous fear of the Lord, a reverence and an awe. God, you are so much bigger than me. You are the one I bow to. That's a powerful thing to encounter. The other thing we're seeing is conviction. We're witnessing the wholesale conviction of sin as it sweeps across America. Again, people are being convicted. I have a lot of emails and stuff sent to me about people who are just this convictions on their heart to get right to get things settled to to make sure they're okay. I think this widespread hunger that we're seeing for Jesus should be something that's driving all of us to our prayer closet, driving all of us to our knees. Guys, it's it's really easy to look around and with our natural eyes and and see and think in the flesh, how can it really how can this really happen? We are so far in the tank, it's awful. Kids, kids are run amok, the world's gone crazy, everybody's sliding on their ear for the last hundred yards, and it's ugly if you walk by natural sight. But the Word of God challenges us in Second Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith and not by sight. So if you are walking by sight and not by faith, you're going to miss what we're all about to witness. And I think this comes from Joel, chapter 2, verses 38 through 32. And I think we are about to witness the fulfillment of this prophecy that was given centuries ago by the prophet Joel. And again, quoted by Peter in Acts, chapter 2. And it says, And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. They will foretell of future events. They will foretell all those incredible things that are only given by a revelation from God. They're stepping up to the plate and they're swinging for the fences, young and tender hearts. God, God is about to download on you incredible revelations. You are the ones. This is the generation. It's exciting to me. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Well, we're still in it, guys. Us old guys, we're still in it. (laughs) And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. Guys, God wants to make us conduits of his heart. God wants to make us vessels that are filled with everything that matters according to him. He wants us to be available so he can pour himself into us so we can pour him out on others. It's so simple. And I'm watching young young people get this. They're like, they just like, it's like, they don't wrestle with any of the backstory or any of that stuff. It's like, oh, God wants me to give it all up. God wants me to be a vessel. Amen. And they're pouring their heart into this and putting their soul into everything they're doing. And I believe that these verses that I just read, they're coming to pass i think they're coming to pass before our eyes but listen if we fail to move with god in this moment we're going to have to answer for sleeping through the greatest harvest this country this nation this world has ever seen amen? amen i think this is a moment it's an incredible great moment it's an invitation from the father himself to step into greater things how many of you are ready for greater things now think about this for a moment. This is, I, I, in my life and in my story, I kind of have a swan song. It's, it's my, one of my favorite stories in the word of God. I have many favorites, but this one kind of hits the top mark. And it's a story, 2 a Kings chapter 7, about the four lepers. You guys have heard me preach this and everything. But I think we're in that moment. Well, here's these four lepers. They're sitting outside the gate they're all starving inside the city of Samaria. You guys know the story. They're starving. The lepers go, you know, we can either die here or maybe there's no food in there. So maybe we could go out to the enemy's camp and they will feed us there. Maybe they'll have mercy on us and throw us some scraps. So they take this walk and they start walking and they walk out to the enemy's camp and they realize that the enemy had already been driven away. Nothing but tent flaps. Safeway store. store. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's
0: good, Tony. (laughs) You should come up here and help me. You're a good sidekick. Here's what happens 2 Kings 7 9. They see everything, they're eating, they're chowing down. Woohoo! We're saved! We got this! Woo! And then they realize, then they said to one another 2 Kings 7 9, we are not doing right. This day is a day of good news, and we remain silent? If we wait until morning light, some punishment will come upon us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. They knew. They knew they were not doing right by sitting there partying while everyone was dying or starving to death down the road. They had life in their hands. Well, some of it they hid out in the bushes, but they had life. And they were hanging on to it. And they came to this epiphany that this is not right. We can't do this. Now, for the lepers to say that, you have to understand, according to Mosaic law, if you were a leper and anyone approached you, you couldn't even comb your hair. You had to go, unclean, unclean. Like, stay away from me. I'm unclean. Don't come near me. They were treated like the lowest form of life on the food chain. And they were just given scraps. But they had the very thing that would save an entire city. And they're sitting on it for a moment until they came to this moment where they said, we're not doing right. The provisions that they found were so desperately needed by those who were inside this city. Guys, God has given you something incredible. He saved you. That alone should make you just go, I want to run through the streets letting people know how grateful I am for God and what he has done for my life. Yeah. You should have that heart and that passion. If not, you're just going to keep kicking that can down the road. Keep kicking it down the road. Someday I'll tell people, kick it down the road. Someday I'll tell people, kick it down the road. Stop it. Stop it. It's time to take what God's given you and take it to the nations. Take it to our city. Take it to your next door neighbor. Take it to our friends, right? You know, the lepers knew that there were two dangers. One was if we remain silent, and the other was if we wait. Two biggest dangers. When you've been given something precious, as precious as salvation, and you say, I'm going to remain silent because, you know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I can't speak that well. I don't know how to articulate this. Maybe I should read 30 books before I, and I'm not anti-book. I'm not. You hear what I'm saying though? You're sitting on gold. You're sitting on life. You're sitting on something that will bring life to others. And if you wait, I think God's going to light your pants on fire. Just throwing that in. (laughs) John 4.35, Jesus reminds us of the urgency of this moment that we're in right now. Everyone sitting in this room and anyone listening to this, you were created for such a time as this. You weren't, to, you weren't created to sit in the pews as spectators and just watch the show go on. No, 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 no. You're called to get into the game. Yep. You're called to get into the game. Jesus reminds us. He says in John 4, 35, Do you think the work of the harvest will not begin until the summer ends four months from now? Look around you! Exclamation point. Look around you! Look around you! Vast fields! of human souls are ripening all around us and are ready now for reaping. Look around you. Can you do that? Are you are you really convinced that God has done something special and powerful for you? I want to stir up the evangelist in you. Revival does one thing. It brings something that was almost dead back to life, right? That's what revival's about. But if you're a believer, he's reviving you for a purpose. And that's so that you can go out and revive others. You have the goods. I wrote here, are you willing to drop everything? Are you willing to go through the refiner's fire? Are you ready to step into this moment? Are you? Are you ready to shed that asbestos suit you've been wearing for too long and really expose your heart to the fire of God? Are you? I don't want to push you, but I will. Every one of you, every one of you has the ability to evangelize. That doesn't mean you're going to be a Billy Graham, although it could be. You could be a Becky Graham. I don't know. But I'm saying that God has given a spark to you. And if it's really ignited you, I hope it's igniting a passion in you to want to go share the good news with others. Don't wait. Don't sit there on it. Take it out to the streets. Amen. And we can come here and sing about Jesus and get all goosebumpy and have fun and then walk out the door and just go back to life. No, we need to take the life that we experience when the synergy of all of us coming together is here. We need to take that out there, wherever your place of influence is, even if it's one person. I was talking to a brother this morning about a book called The Torch of Evangelism. And it's a story about how, the, the, how evangelism was passed on from generation to generation. And sometimes it's by one person who wasn't even notable in terms of the fact that no one really knew who they were, but they ignited a flame in somebody else and they handed it to someone else. And that person became the one. You don't know. You could be carrying that very seed. I wrote here, God is holy and nothing sinful can survive the fire of his presence. God is really good about burning away the dross. He always will take, if you come to him with an open heart, he will burn away that which is unholy. He will burn away everything that is just an add-on that we don't need. He wants to purify us. He wants to streamline us. He wants to make us a vessel for his good service. God is jealous for our hearts and he wants us for himself. God will not share you with anyone else. He won't. When you figure that out and you give yourself totally to him, it will change the trajectory of your life. Guaranteed. The refiner fire, it purifies us and it makes us, as the scripture said, useful for the masters prepared for every good work. Second Timothy 2 Timothy 2.20 is actually that scripture. Second Timothy 2 Timothy 2.20 and 21, it says, In a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter dishonor, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, sanctified, set apart, uh, declared holy, purified, He will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. I believe that we're in a moment where God is creating vessels that matter. There are some vessels that really don't matter. In fact, they're used for dishonor. They're used for other things. But there are vessels that truly matter. And that's what God is wanting to do with our hearts. He wants to create us and turn us into vessels that matter. So what do we do? How do we get there? Well, the first thing you've got to do is be willing to allow God to come and to clean out your vessel. Why? Because He wants you to make room for more of Him, for more of His presence, for more of His Spirit. Okay? Okay? Think about this many times. So many of us are so full of so many other things Why well, we're full of knowledge. We're full of opinions. I'm full of desires. In fact, I can even be full of zeal. And we may be even think that these things are all really super good because after all, I'm using it all for God. I wrote here, however, what the Lord wants is to come and fill our vessels with himself. Because when he comes, he brings gifts that he wants us to use to minister to others. And that's where this on-ramp is taking us. We're going to go through the spiritual gifts. We're going to talk about the spiritual gifts and how God wants us to use those gifts from the vessel that's within us to use those to change the world around us. Okay? That's kind of where we're going in the future. The Bible uses a lot of symbolism. Most of you that have studied the Bible, you know that there's a lot of symbolism in the Bible. And, and he uses that, or the Bible uses that, and God does, I think, to deepen the message that he wants to speak forth to his people. And one such symbol is the one of the potter and the clay. Turn to Jeremiah 18. This is a beautiful <laughs> illustration. of God, how God instructed the prophet Jeremiah to go to the potter's house where God was going to illustrate his relationship with Israel. So verse two, Jeremiah says, so I went to the potter's house and I saw him working at the wheel. How many of you have ever worked with clay on a potter's wheel? I absolutely loved it in school. The problem was my hook. I'd get this thing going, and all of a sudden, the thing would go, fall off and hit the wall. "Hmm, Something's wrong here. He wouldn't let me take my shoes off and use my feet. No, I'm just kidding, my feet. But I had to figure out a way. So I understand the principle and the concept of spinning it on the potter's wheel and folding a beautiful vase. And that's what we ended up doing. I ended up making several really beautiful vases that I still have today that uh, my wife was in that same class with me, and she would paint them for me. I'm a lousy painter. She was really good at painting stuff on them, and I appreciate it. So we still have them. So I went to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. Or hook, some translations might say. <laughs> so the potter formed it into another pot. You get to do that. The potter takes what's there and goes, I don't like that. And he starts over again. You can do that. Then the word of the Lord came to me, and he said, Oh, he shaped it into another pot, shaping as it seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, Cannot not do with you, Israel, as this potter does, declares the Lord, like clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, Israel. If you truly want to walk in the power that the devil dreads, if you're willing to really cast off every excuse, if you're really willing to renounce even the hidden works and things that you're doing in secret, I'm telling you, and then you set yourself in this place where you become an open vessel, like clay in the potter's hands, God will spin you into something beautiful. And I see that God doing that in our presence even right now. He's taking people who are coming clean of things that's been on their heart, wrong thinking, different attitudes. It's not just about sin, but what he's doing is he's saying, repent, meaning change your way of thinking. You're not a has-been. You're not a nobody. You're a somebody. You're my son. You're my daughter. You're precious in my sight. And God's reforming you into this beautiful imagery where you begin to see yourself as he sees you. And you begin to look around and see others as God sees them. Amen. It's a powerful moment. Then I wrote, then you will find your place among those who are the dread of demons and you will find a voice as big as the sea. Remember the old Christmas carol? You will find your voice. It will be as big as the sea. We've talked a lot about in the past about your voice. That is the weapon that God's choosing to use today. What you speak forth, that's the weapon. And your voice will be that which inflicts devastating damage on the works of the enemy. But God is wanting total surrender, total surrender. You know, we can say, you know, I want to sacrifice my life to God. And then God goes, I want it all. And you're like, yeah, but can I just keep that one foot out of this, out of the fire, God? Can I keep it? Can I keep one hand out? No, God wants it all. Quit trying to crawl off the altar that you say you sacrificed yourself on for God. It gets a little hard, gets a little wonky. The winds of adversity blow. Things go crazy, and all of a sudden you're like, I'm going to jump off this for a moment, cool down. In fact, there's a 7-Eleven. I'm going to go get a Slurpee so I can really cool down. God's going, "Uh uh-uh. Stay on the altar. Stay there. True vessels of God, I wrote here, are filled with the Holy Spirit. And it all begins, I believe, to walk in this supernatural anointing. I believe walks, begins with us being baptized and the Holy Spirit. Amen. A few weeks ago, we had just this altar call, and people came forward who had never experienced that filling of the Holy Spirit. And we went through all the teachings about how when we're born again, our spirit is regenerated and connected to God. But there is a second filling. And that's what they experienced at Acts. Those people in that upper room, they already knew Jesus, they were already saved. But Jesus said, wait, there's more. And they experienced that more. I think that no purpose, no plan, no message will prevail against Satan without the infusion of the Holy Spirit, resting upon those who want to be true vessels of God. That's my opinion. I think that's scriptural. Jesus gave the Holy Spirit the power to administer the work of God here on earth. Jesus gave the Holy Spirit the power to continue his ministry. And he, who did he choose? He chose us. So he pours himself into us in the form of the Holy Spirit, which empowers us to be witnesses and to share and to speak forth what God is doing and what God wants to do. He would, in fact, this is so important to understand this. He wouldn't even let his disciples leave Jerusalem without first being filled with the Holy Spirit. They get hit with the Holy Spirit. They immediately, they didn't hover in the room. He forced them out into the streets where they preached the gospel and thousands of people came to Jesus. And then he said, keep moving on down the road, boys. And they took it around the world to the ends of the earth. Jesus said in Luke 48, this is important. In Luke, I'm sorry, in Luke 4, um, chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, this is so important. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted." to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. The operative word here is because. Look at that word, because. Because he has anointed me. Because vessels of God are mighty. Not just because the Holy Spirit's upon them, but because vessels of God are mighty know why the Holy Spirit is upon them. Let's read that again. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Let's say this together, and me being you, okay? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That is your calling. That's what a vessel of God does. is are used by God to do just that, to preach the gospel to the poor, to set the captains free, to, to heal the broken-hearted, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And Rebecca, you've done a stellar job of pursuing that as a passion. Good for you. True vessels of God operate in the true supernatural gifts of the Spirit. You know, and I just, I just kind of want to wrap this up. A l- I just want to read 2 Timothy 2.20 again, but I, it's about the vessels, but I want to read it in the Amplified because I think it really gives some emphasis that's so important. It says, Now in a large house, there are not only vessels... And objects of gold and silver, but also vessels of objects of wood and earthenware. And some are for honorable, noble good use, and some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, which are dishonorable, disobedient, and sinful, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified, set apart for a special purpose, and useful to the master prepared for every good work. God wants to make us, turn us into vessels that are used for good. Yes. Vessels that are honorable, yeah. not dishonorable. Amen. So what's in your vessel? Only you can answer that. Is it honorable stuff or is it dishonorable stuff? Or is there attitudes and things you need to get rid of? My, what I'm pointing at here is it's time to come clean. If you truly want to be used by God... If you truly want to move in a way that causes heaven to cheer and, and, and the enemy to just shake, it's time to come clean. It's time to ask, you've heard me say this before, the Holy Spirit to come down and go through the corridor of your heart and show you what's going on and what's not going on. He knows. There's no such thing as secret sin. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Jesus had a beautiful way of pointing that out, didn't he? He'd sit there, speak to others, and he'd get down and start writing in the mud or the dirt. No one really knew what other than, I suppose, he's writing their own secret sins. And they're like, oh, he knows that about me? See you guys, I got to go home and clean an oven. I got things to do. Right now, God's exposing. And it's for a good reason. Listen, listen. if, if God has birthed a passion in you to be a true vessel... I want you to take heart. Take heart. This is a good thing because God is about to fill your vessel. He would not have awakened that passion in you unless he was going to fill it with something incredibly special. And again, God wants to fill us with gifts that we can use to grow the kingdom. Amen. So let's stand. You know, I didn't know if there would be 10 people here or full house or whatever. You never know on a snow day. (laughs) But thank you for coming. I hope you heard my heart. God is on the move. He is. is. And I don't want us to miss an opportunity to be where he wants us to be, to be the people of God that he wants us to be. Uh, Honestly, guys, I don't mean this in an arrogant way, but I believe that God is is going to cause many of you to become catalysts where we live at today, in our community, in this valley, for a big move of God. Amen? Amen. I hope, pray with all my heart, that God is stirring other fellowships around the body. I hope He is. Because, again, it's different parts of the body. We're just one part of a bigger body. But we will do our part with all of our hearts, right? Barb, do you have a word?
1: Um, I had a dream last night. It was awesome. Uh, uh, I dreamed that this church had to get a new facility and then we had to get a bigger one. Yes, yes, yes. And the auditorium kept getting bigger and people kept putting more and more chairs out. <laughs> Hallelujah. I thought, that's a good dream. Yeah, that's a really good Revival. You know,
0: on that note, just quickly, the school is just busted at the seams. We're filled, and there's like 40 families on a wait list. It's mind-boggling. But in all honesty, you know, we need to have the resources to be able to push some of this out. And it takes resources to do that. But God is the provider, and we know that. And we trust that. Time and time again, I've watched God provide as we've expanded and done things. The beauty of this is, we don't owe anybody, any man, for any of this. Right. All of this is owned by the church. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 <clears throat> I don't think we need to go in debt to expand the kingdom. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's wrap this up. Father, I just thank you, God, for what you're doing in our midst. I thank you for your presence Father, I thank you for the way you're navigating through people's hearts and you're causing them to stop, to pull the car over and to really examine their hearts and where they're at with you. And Father, I just pray that when you say repent, you're talking about changing our way of thinking. And so many of us have had stinking thinking for way too long. We need to think with incredible clarity about the call that you have on our lives. So Father, I pray that everyone in this room, you would build a wall on the right and a wall on their left, and behind them so high that none of the enemy's accusations, darts, none of the crispy critters, nothing could penetrate. And, Father, they could see the way, the path that you placed in front of them. And, Father, you'll blow away the smoke and allow them to see exactly where you want them to move to. And, Father, it's not from one place to like a ladder we get to the top and stop. It's from glory to glory, God. You have so many stops along the way, and they're powerful and they're anointed. Thank you, God. And Father, I pray for an increase in the awareness of spiritual gifts that you've placed in us. And, Father, as we navigate the future and talking about, I pray, God, that you would gently call those gifts out and we would see them begin to operate once again in a powerful way. Thank you, God. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
1: Thank you, God. Thank you, God.
0: I don't know about you, but I would like to worship one more song. Is that okay with you guys? You guys good with that? Uh, Nikki, I put you totally on the spot. <laughs> I see that hand. You know, I, I, I just love music. I love how it works and flows and how God can move in our heart. David, he was called upon to calm the spirits that were bugging Saul. There's something about music that I appreciate. So we're just going to worship for a moment. We've got plenty of time. And uh, let's just worship and let's just see what God does. And if you're in that place where you, you just feel like you want to... Here's one of the things that I love is we're in this moment where God has taken the stage and He's really turning it back into an altar. I grew up with altars as a young boy. And uh, they're a powerful place. You can do it from your chair. You can come up here, whatever you want to do. That's your, your call. But just take a moment and just surrender. Say, God, is there anything in my life that's not pleasing to you? And he will show you. And he will take you back through that moment. And I would just say, Father, forgive me. And ask God to rearrange your heart. Amen? Because he, uh, man, he is on the move. And He's looking for vessels that are willing to be cleaned and set apart for Him. Amen? Mm -hmm.
2: saying back to you I'm waiting for you I'm waiting for you to step out in obedience to what I've called you to do to trust me trust me I'm going to meet you when I ask you to open your mouth my words will come out because I've touched your lips when I ask you to go over there and pray for that person I'm going to be with you I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting for you to act out in obedience. Will you come meet me?
0: Feel you're a little short in the courage department. I, I, I want to challenge you to courageously come forth, and we would love to pray for you just for more courage. 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 Such a good word, Teresa. Courage.
1: Thank you, Jesus. More courage. More courage. More courage.
0: (laughs) Oh my, oh my, oh my. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah.
2: The Lord is saying what we do today and tomorrow will affect generations to come. And we are not to stand still. We are to go marching.
0: such a good word. Mm-hmm. Courage. Courage.
3: Yes, Jesus. Just
0: hold your hands out in just a receiving mode. Just hold your hands out because God is about to download courage into your hearts. Amen? Amen. Oh,
2: thank you, Father, that you meet us yeah. right where we're at. God, I just courage. pray for increased faith, courage. increased courage, courage for what you've called each courage. one of us to do. Courage. Thank you more that courage. you walk with us wherever you call us courage. to go.
0: Courage, more courage.
2: Your words come out more of our courage. mouth when we open it. More
0: courage. Thank,
2: Thank you, courage. Jesus. Give us courage, 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 like we've never had before, to go out into courage. Grants Pass courage. Courage. and beyond, wherever more you call us, God, courage. and do what you called us to do. Courage, courage. more courage.
1: More courage. More courage. More courage. More
2: courage. We just ask for a download, God, a download of courage yes. Yes.
1: Yes. from you this morning, yes. God.
2: I just want to give testimony. Y'all, if you've been in this house any time, you know that I was a very quiet child. Even until two or three years ago. But I have learned when God gives me a word and usually it's just maybe a sentence and I am faithful and I go get this mic he gives the rest he always meets me right where he wants me to be in obedience to him and he will do that for you too just trust him
4: Story, back to my remembrance. Years ago, we were uh, pursuing revival. The Lord had asked us to pursue a healing revival. We did a big tour, and while I was in Shreveport, Louisiana, I got word that my father was very sick and in the hospital. Ultimately, I flew back to Sacramento to be with my dad and serenaded him into the glory. changed a lot of plans, landed back at home. We had another big meeting going with significant prophetic leaders from around the world. Them that you might have heard of, his name is Bob Jones. And I was feeling pretty devastated. I'd lost my dad. I was exhausted. I felt like I just hadn't lived up to God's promises for my life. And I got word from one of the workers that Bob Jones wanted to talk to me outside the tent. And I said, oh no, this is it. He knows all of my sickness and disease. He knows my weakness. He knows my sin. So I met Bob Jones outside of the tent. He looked at me square in the eyes with those eagle beard, blue piercing eagle eyes. He grabbed both of my hands in his hands. He said, son, the enemy been eating your lunch. And it's time for you to receive the courage from the heavens that is yours. And basically just like totally surprised me, totally blessed me. And he started praying courage into my spirit. And I pray courage into your spirit now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are not inadequate. You are not disqualified. You have not disqualified yourself. Even the stupid things that you have done have not disqualified you from this hour of being a useful tool in his hand. He loves you desperately. He's done so much for you to bridge the gap between your sinfulness and his holiness that all you got to do is say yes. As he's reaching out, grabbing you by the hands, and his prophetic word comes to you, no more is Satan going to eat your lunch. You're going you're to dine at the table before your enemies and be victorious. And I command courage into your spirit right now. And may courage course through your body. May you feel the strength of it. The word of the Lord has come. Take, take courage. Have strength. He is the Lord. He has not taken a break from reigning over your life. In Jesus' name, be courageous filled with courage that thing that was too difficult is now just like stepping over a line jesus mighty name receive the courage from the living god receive it right now receive it right now you are an overcomer you are not disqualified for such a time as this god has raised you up and brought to you this place so that you can change the world around you blessed be the name of the lord
5: I don't know if everybody knows me or not, but, you know, uh, God has put me in a spot up at the corner of 7th and Morgan Lane three days a week to kind of do my service for him. And the other day, a fellow had come in, and actually goes back about two years. He, right around the first of, first of the uh, COVID business, he was, him and his wife, they were really distraught. And he said they didn't know what they were going to do. And I said, well, First thing we can do is we can pray about it. So we prayed about it. And, uh, you know, I've seen it a couple times during the couple years. And things were just kind of like looking good, but not really good. You know, he seemed to think that everything was fine. Well, two or three days ago, he came in. Well, actually, I take that back a week ago. He came in and he asked me, he would just mention, he just blurted it out. He says, my, my job, I've been there for 20 years. He said, I just don't know what I'm going to do. The person that's taking care of the, the running the end of the whole business is the boss's wife, and she has nothing to do with the business. She doesn't know first thing about it. And I'm a really good worker, and they know it, but I'm just, I am just, at my wits' end, I said, you know what? I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to give you the ability to go ahead and just go get on your day and just don't even worry about it. That day, the boss comes up to him and says, we're not too happy. Are you not happy with us? And uh, He goes, well, really, I'm not. And, uh, and they go, well, you know what? What's the problem? He says, it's your wife. She's trying to run my life and it's not me. And, I said, and so uh, the boss says, okay, we're going to make that turn around. And so he came in and he told me last week the story that I just shared with you, that uh, one little prayer two years ago manifested in it, and he was going to quit his job. He was te- he was dead sick of it, and uh, now he's just bouncing around. Okay. Well, I told him, I said, you need to come to our church. I said, we people pray for you there, and things do happen there too. And um, he goes, you know, my wife's going deaf. I says, you got to bring your wife in says you know we we will pray for her and we will see results i just left it at that but anyway this is one little one little tidbit of one time that i prayed for this one person but i'll tell you what i pray for a lot of people in there people come in and they just look down and i just how are you feeling today not too good let's let's lift you up do you believe in jesus oh yeah it's good something's better than that it's good Anyway,
0: that's that's. Uh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I loved what Jim said about he goes to his corner, yeah. and he didn't say I go to work. He goes to the place that God has sent him. Right. Great perspective.
1: I kind of had a little words.
0: Yeah.
4: Hello, brothers and sisters. Yeah, I had this word from my buddy Bobby before he left for uh, going to the desert to work. And I told him, I said, Bobby, you're not working for the Lord. I said, you're working with the Lord. So we're not working for the Lord. We're working with the Lord. It's good.
1: That's
0: good. Well, guys, um, it's certainly been a wonderful day. And and, uh, I just want to invite you guys tomorrow night if you want to come to prayer. It's at 7 o'clock. If it's snowing, you're, you know, if you're in doubt, don't drive out. But if you're like me, you want to hook the reindeer up and go, come on. Go.
1: We'll be here. <laughs>
0: Bob will be here. No, I'm just kidding. So God bless you guys. Have a glorious day. If you need prayer for anything else, you're welcome to stay. And and uh, we'll, we'll continue to pray for you guys. But God bless you. Go have a wonderful day. Amen.
1: Amen.